Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode I'm recording on October 5th, 2018, and we have a lot of stuff to get through in this episode. There's been a lot of interesting things that have happened with Google, some algorithm updates, um, and we pulled out some really interesting things from Help Hangouts with uh, John Mueller. So I'm going to share some of those with you. As always, if you want to see uh, this in print, you can look online at mariehaines.com slash news letter. And we have a free and a paid version. Uh, I've pulled some of the things from the paid version into this podcast because they're just too interesting not to talk about. Um, But yeah, if you want to get this information, then you can sign up for my newsletter there. So let's talk first about this first algorithm update. Uh, We've been talking, you know, for a while now about this thing that happened on August 1st, which we've called the medic update, although really it affects niches far beyond medical niches. Um, I really, the more sites we review that were hit with this update, the more and more we can see that trust is a big issue. Uh, And we're seeing sites that had uh, complaints all over the internet, uh, sites that had a a, a bad Better Business Bureau listing, sites that had deceptive things like, hey, our product is free, and then people complaining that they actually got charged for it. Um, Stuff like that seems to have been affected on August 1st. And so that's the T in EAT is trust. So September 27th, um, 2018, there was some type of a tweak, I believe, to the August 1st update. So I have some screenshots in the newsletter of uh, sites that um, saw increases or decreases. And happily for us, a lot of our clients that we've done site quality reviews for did see some gains. Uh, I give an example of a financial site that Uh, worked to improve their EAT. And, you know, we actually took a look at, you know, of all the things we recommended in our report, the main thing that they implemented was beefing up their author EAT and making it really clear that, look, our authors who wrote these posts, they're published in the New York Times, they're published in the Financial Post, they're, you know, published in all these important places. And here's why you should trust them as authors who know their stuff in terms of finances. And so this particular site saw a nice jump up starting September 27th. And who knows whether it was Google um, taking our information that we uh, put on the website, or maybe Google just figured it out. They were a relatively newish site. uh, And it's possible that Google just figured out that, okay, yeah, these guys actually are an authority in their financial niche. Um, We had another site that we reviewed that was, uh, they sold like a medical product. Um, And they're seeing almost a doubling in traffic uh, since the September 27th update, whatever it was. That said, we do have some sites that uh, we were thrilled on August 1st because we saw an incredible increases. I'm talking like um, several million more users uh, and potentially, uh, well, definitely a lot of extra money for this, uh, these companies that saw almost all of those gains clawed back on September 27th. So I think that Google has, I I don't think that this is other sites recovering because they've done good stuff. I think a lot of this is Google just recognizing or tweaking things. Um, So things that they said, oh, we're going to consider this a sign of high trust. Maybe they've uh, clawed back on that. So um, we're going to keep an eye on things. I mean, certainly those sites that saw big gains and then had them clawed back, we're doing more work with both of those sites now to um, figure out 
Uh, what can we do to get those uh, those gains back again? Because it certainly was um, a nice thing. So uh, Barry Schwartz asked Danny Sullivan if he could confirm if September 27th was an algorithm update. And Danny said, uh, you know, well, the same thing that Google always says. Our algorithm is updated all the time. Uh, and he said that it wasn't a major update. Um, but he did say, quote, we did have a smaller one this week. So I think that this update, when you compare it to August 1st, it's certainly small. But I'm still seeing a lot of evidence of sites that saw quite significant changes. The other date was October 1st. And actually, just as I'm recording this, I just saw on Search Engine Roundtable that Barry thinks that potentially yesterday, um, October 4th, was an update as well. I really feel like between September 27th and now, Google has been just tweaking the dials on uh, what they evaluated with August 1st. So there's a lot of turbulence. Uh, as soon as I'm finished recording this podcast, I'm going to update my algorithm update post. You can reach that at mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O. And what I do there is just talk about, oh, on these dates, we think there was an update or Google confirmed there was an update. And so I'll... Um, uh, I'll keep you up to date with that. So, you know, if you were hit with one of these updates, I do think that a lot of it has to do with trust. And so you should be looking at things. Um, have other people use your website and ask them, you know, is there anything on this site that would make you not trust us? And I'm talking about, you know, massive sales funnels that are just slapping people in the face with buy, 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 when what they really want to do is just get information. That type of thing can often be seen as a sign of low trust. Um, moving on, uh, there's some weird kind of bug with Google that I've never seen anything like this before. Apparently, if you try to click on a URL that has a plus symbol in it from the Google search results, it, it, Google just does nothing. It's like the code is broken and you can't get to the site. And so a lot of people were posting Google Analytics charts of their uh, site, their pages that had a plus in the URL and uh, and massive drops in traffic over the last week. Apparently, this has been fixed. I couldn't really see a lot of evidence of it in sites that I monitor. But if you did see a big drop, and the funny thing is, this seems to coincide with this September 27th, which I've just said is an algorithm update. Um, and so I the two are not connected. In fact, Danny Sullivan and John Mueller both confirmed that uh, this is a bug on Google's side. It has nothing to do with this algorithm update. And so... Um, you know, if you did see a drop, uh, it's hard to say, is it the algorithm update or was it uh, because of this bug? What you can do is look in Google Analytics and um, look at landing pages and you can set the segment to say, uh, I just want to see organic search. And then you can actually use the little search box in Analytics to say, I just want to see URLs that have a plus in it. And uh, if you see that there's a big drop in pages with a plus, but no drop on other pages, then probably it was the bug that affected you and things should return to normal fairly soon. Wanted to talk about uh, this little part that was in a Google blog post. We talked about the blog post last week, um, but I had missed this part where Google actually confirmed that authority is a ranking factor. And so in the blog post, they say, Quote, for starters, the authority of a web page is now a more important signal in the ranking. 
And now, to be fair, this article is talking about image search. And so uh, I think what Google's saying is, you know, if you have, if both of us have a really cool image of a cat, and I'm known as more of an authority on cats, then my image is more likely to rank highly. The thing is, I mean, this tells us that Google does measure authority, and it's all throughout the Quality Raters guidelines. We talk about EAT, and the A stands for authority. And so a lot of people are saying, well, how do you get known as an authority? So Gary Ish uh, months ago confirmed to me that EAT is largely based on links and mentions from other sites. And so, I mean, I've talked about this so many times, but I know for some of you this is a new thing. Uh, And so if you're trying to build up your EAT, by far the best thing that you can do is find ways to get mentioned in authoritative places. So when I publish, if I published a a new piece of information that had a bunch of data on who knows what, maybe mobile first indexing, um, I'm likely to get links from all sorts of places that talk about SEO. So if Search Engine Roundtable and Moz and maybe SEMrush, uh, those sites link out to me or at least mention me and say, hey, Marie, pa- Marie Haynes published this really great uh, piece of content that everybody is talking about, that speaks to my authority. So if you're thinking, well, I'm just a nobody, I can't get anything published, start small. Find there are so many sites that would be willing to take a guest post from somebody who really knows what they're talking about. And I'm not talking about publishing a guest post just so you can get a link back to your site. I'm talking about find something that you can do some research on that will get people talking. And the more you can get people talking about you, then it sort of spirals because other authoritative sites say, oh yeah, I've heard of this person. You know, she's uh, written some stuff on mobile first indexing. I've heard that name before. And then you're more likely to get published in the authoritative places. So really, I think that this is one of the keys to ranking well. Um, We had... uh, A former client of ours that actually got an email back from a Google employee uh, recently, and they were asking about why they couldn't rank for a particular query. And one of the things that this Google employee said was, do things to get people talking about you. And so I think what they're saying is, you know, build links, but don't build links, do things that actually attract links naturally. And this is going back to when I first started in SEO, I really could not understand, you know, when people are talking about building links, they were talking about like crappy directory links and uh, eZine articles types of, of things. And I really couldn't see how Google could say, oh, yeah, because I wrote like 200 articles on the subject and published them on self-publishing platforms, that that makes me a, a better choice. And, you know, I think I was a little bit ahead of the times there because that is what's happening now. Um, so... Forget all of this. If a link is really easy to get because you can just put it there yourself, it's probably one, in my opinion, that Google's ignoring. Um, So really, I think if you have budget to put into link building, I would really spend a lot of time looking at PR, looking at uh, what can you do to get the public talking about you and to get authoritative websites talking about you. Um, There was an interesting article on Search Engine Roundtable, somebody asking if you could return from the dead a site that was hit by Panda. So just going back a bit because, uh, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about Panda these days because it's built into the algorithm, but it still is a major factor. And I think some of these things that I call core quality updates, they probably are Panda updates. They're they're very closely tied together. Um, And so uh, years ago, so Panda first came out in 2011, and when it first came 
came out, we were the the only thing we were doing was uh, trying to remove duplicate content and thin content. And I wrote a post on Moz years ago that talked about like I think we have it wrong. I think Panda is so much more than duplicate and thin content. Um, that said, we saw some nice recoveries for sites that uh, that actually did trim up thin content. We had one that was a forum site. And we removed a, a whole whack, like thousands and thousands of pages that just weren't helpful to people. Um, and this site saw a full Panda recovery. So back in the day, you knew you had a Panda recovery because Google would rerun Panda and then you could see like, oh yeah, my traffic would you know spike up all of a sudden if you were recovering. These days to recover from Panda, uh, because Panda runs with the main algorithm, it can happen at any time. So let's say you trim out about a, th- a bunch of thin content or what Panda really is about is you improve the quality of your content so that it's truly better than uh, the other sites that are out there. And um, let's say that you successfully do this so that you get rid of this filter that says, oh yeah, it's a, it's a low quality site. Then you're going to start to see improvements. Like you don't necessarily have to wait to see an update. Uh, you can see some gradual improvements. Now it's not uncommon for Google to do like a core quality update where they change the criteria in what they consider quality and then we'll see a big jump up. But uh, but definitely if you were affected by Panda, if you were affected by a core quality update, in a lot of cases recovery is possible. I'm not going to say every case because I'm seeing uh, site after site that comes to us sometimes for a site review and they used to rank well and we look at the site and go like, how did this site ever rank before? Because it's just a horrible site. And we see that like maybe they were ranking on the power of a private blog network or um, some type of technique that's against Google's guidelines. And uh, and Google is shutting all of those loopholes. I want to digress a bit and talk about uh, an interesting case. When I wrote my um, uh, post on the August 1st update, I talked about the sites that are ranking in the keto niche. And one of the sites, the site that used to be number one for the keto diet, um, was full of all the salesy content. And uh, and so my theory was that uh, lack of EAT in in particular trust, because you'd go to the site and you'd see like, oh, our product used to be $147 and just for you, it's 47 today. Um, And you know, people don't fall for that kind of thing. And so this site saw a massive drop on August 1st. And uh, I saw that um, uh, it was starting to resurge. And so when I looked on September 27th, it was actually regaining a, a good number of rankings. But when you click on the site, um, so I was like, yay, they've removed all this salesy content and that's probably why they're ranking again. But it turns out that they're doing some tricky stuff. They're actually redirecting to another keto site um, with the hopes that that site will rank. And so I think the idea was, oh, this first site, you know, Google has torched it for whatever reason and it's not going to rank again. So let's redirect that to another site. And that site ranked really well for about three days. And that's it. Uh, and now I can see that it's on, I think it's like page six or something for keto diet. Uh, and who knows, maybe it will rank again. But the site really is lacking EAT. There's really no authority um, who's recognized as the authority on the keto diet who's writing this. Um, and I think there's some trust issues too. So interesting thing to, to note. Um, so when we talk about recoveries, you know, 
we don't recommend doing things to trick Google. Uh, I would like it so that if anybody from Google read any of our reports, you know, they would say, yeah, this is good advice. Um, you know, so if you're doing something to rank better and you're feeling just a little bit anxious about it, uh, then probably it's not a road you want to go down. And this is really tricky because in a lot of cases, um, uh, you know, it's it's very tempting to like start buying up some expired domains and point the links at your site and, and doing other things like that. Uh, but I'd urge you, you know, just really start focusing on uh, how can we make our content more valuable than any other site that currently ranks? And if you can't, then maybe that's not the area for you to be in. Um, so you really want to have a website where you can be known as the number one authority. Um We'll skip over a few things in the newsletter here because we, we've got way too much to cover in the time that we have. I wanted to say congrats to SEMrush, uh, 3 million users now. Now, I know not all of those are paid users, but still, that's pretty impressive. So SEMrush is doing some good things these days. And uh, uh, so congrats for uh, you guys for getting 3 million users. That's incredible. I um, wanted to come back to this thing just because I know it's confusing a lot of people. Uh, in Chrome now, if, when you go to an HTTPS site, you're no longer going to see the green padlock. Um, so they're trying to make it so that like the norm is just gray. And if it's red for insecure, then that's a problem. But I know this is bugging a lot of people because uh, people were tweeting about how like, oh, I was trying forever to get the green padlock and I couldn't get it. And it's not you, it's Chrome. Uh, so that's something important to know. I talked briefly about this new thing in the new Google feed called Google Discover. And uh, I've yet to see exactly how it's going to work, which is why I haven't written a whole lot about it. But I think we need to pay attention to it so, because it might be a new way for people to search. And one of the things that I think in the future we'll start talking about is uh, how do we actually get listed on this Google Discover feed? Um, because I think Google's changing the way that people search. You know, we'll always uh, type things in or speak things to do a search, but um, Google's getting better and better at figuring out like, oh yeah, she likes to talk about, uh, she likes to read about these topics, so let's put all of these in her feed. Uh, and so that's something that we really should be paying attention to. Somebody asked John Mueller an interesting question, which I think the answer is obvious, but I thought I would include it in uh, this podcast. Uh, whether it matters to Google if you have a huge number of no indexed pages. Uh, and John Mueller said no. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to have pages that you don't want in Google's index. So if you have hundreds of thousands of no index pages, that's not going to affect your um, Google's assessment of quality for your site. If you look at real-time Google Analytics, it was broken for a period of time last week. So that's fixed now, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But um, if you were wondering why you had no real-time traffic or maybe I think some people were just seeing reduced numbers, which was kind of scary because it coincided again with September 27th uh, with whatever this algorithm update was. And uh, so I think a lot of people, I actually had emails from people saying like, I'm freaking out. My real-time stats say that I have half the traffic I usually do. And what happened? And then it turns out that it was actually fine. They didn't have a, a, a drop in traffic. Somebody else asked John Mueller about, um, they accidentally blocked a page in their robots.txt. So for the beginners here, uh, your robots.txt file is a file that you can uh, use to tell crawlers 
don't crawl this section of the site. And you can do other things in it too. Um, and what they had done was accidentally blocked Google from crawling this one URL. And the URL actually dropped out of the index. And so they were asking, you know, how long before it comes back? Because it had been eight days and it wasn't back yet. So what John Mueller said is, if this is an important page that Google crawls regularly, really like by eight days, it should be back in the index. Um, and he said, if it's not though, if it's a page that's like on an inner page in your site and really Google hasn't assessed it as high quality, maybe I'm assuming that he's saying, you know, maybe there's not a lot of links pointing to this page, then um, that it could take Google months to come back and revisit that. So the fastest way to actually get it indexed again is to do a fetch in Google Search Console and then just click submit to index. And then that way Google will come back and crawl it again and they'll see, oh, we don't, we're not blocked from this page anymore and it really should get back into the index again. Um, it was an interesting question on Twitter about the site colon search and uh, uh, John Mueller replied that the numbers that you see, so if I do a search for site colon, you know, mysite.com, it'll tell me there's, I don't know, 4,000 pages in the index. Um, and what we do in our reviews is we want to check and see if that compares with what's in your sitemap. Um, you know, if, if, if Google is saying that there's 400,000 pages in the index and my sitemap has like 10,000, then that's a sign that maybe something is going on. Uh, but what John said is that the site colon count is not accurate. So if Google says there's 4,000 pages in the index, I would trust the information in uh, Search Console more than the site colon search. We still use site colon search for so many things, but uh, uh, don't get too excited about um, the numbers if they're slightly different from what you're seeing in Search Console or from what you know is the case on your site. Interesting thing for those who uh, make good use of image search, uh, you can now add metadata to your images um, to actually credit uh, the creator of an image. Um, and so in Google Images, there's an option for people to click on this button and see the metadata. And I think it says see image credits. And uh, so you can get your photographer's name on there if that's appropriate. Um, somebody asked John Mueller whether Google has specific algorithms for individual industries. And I, I thought this was interesting. Um, I mean, John's answer was no. He said, no, we don't have anything in our algorithms that would explicitly look at individual industries and say, this is what we'd expect from this industry. And therefore we'll change the algorithm for this industry. Um, we do know that Google has the payday loans algorithm. And when that came out, it was not just geared towards payday loan sites. It was for sites that are in super, super competitive verticals where there was loads of spam. And I think that Google sort of turned up the dial on um, what types of links would be considered spammy. Uh, and so we do occasionally see sites where we say, look, like it really looks like you're being suppressed for some sort of link related issue. And maybe it's the payday loans algorithm that's doing it. Um, I do thoroughly believe that there are many uh, quality algorithms that look at links uh, that are not Penguin. Um, the point is, though, that it's not like Google has an algorithm for realtors and an algorithm for lawyers and an algorithm for informational sites. It's all one in the same algorithm. 
Um, let's see what else we can talk about here. I, I did, I missed this before. Um, Google, apparently, uh, John Mueller said in one of his help hangouts that uh, Google was considering taking some of the information from the quality raters guidelines and actually putting that into the general webmaster guidelines. And to me, that's exciting because we've been focusing so strongly on these quality raters guidelines. Um, I'm going to be giving a couple more talks on the guidelines over the next couple of months. And uh, really, I mean, we've been able to help a good number of sites see recoveries just by um, implementing the stuff that are in these guidelines. So I was excited to see that. This is another cool thing that uh, I have yet to see. I wondered if maybe it wasn't in Canada, but I know that Joy Hawkins is seeing it. Um, apparently, if you're logged into Search Console, you can go to Google and do a search for one of your main keywords, and Google will give you stats from your Search Console query data. Um, so you could do a search for your keyword, and it'll tell you uh, how many clicks, impressions, and the average ranking position over the last seven days right in the search results. So this is something I haven't seen yet. I don't know if it's rolling out incrementally or whether it's a test, um, but I thought that was kind of uh, an interesting thing. There was an interesting poll on Search Engine Roundtable where people were asking whether bad links could still, or answering the question, whether bad links could still hurt your rankings. And um, 63%, uh, I don't know how many, uh, people were polled in this, but 63% did believe that bad links could hurt you algorithmically. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, uh, I do think that bad links can hurt a site, um, but not in the ways that we think. I think that um, if you have a bunch of spam pointing at you, a bunch of uh, Viagra links or some type of negative SEO, in the vast majority of cases, Google's algorithms are really good at figuring out like, oh yeah, I didn't build these 4 million Viagra links so that I could rank, you know, my plumbing site for Viagra. Um, you know, Google's pretty good at, at, at discounting those. But where I do think that Google can take issue with links is when it's very obvious that you've been building links just for links sake. Um, and so uh, we are seeing some, I mean, we're doing more and more disavows these days. Uh, and I would say maybe half of the time when we file a disavow, we're seeing no improvement or no change whatsoever. And the other half of the time, we actually do see some improvements. Um, one of our sites that we filed a disavow for that we made no on-site changes to uh, saw some really significant, like a 50% improvement on September 27th. And uh, so, you know, I think it's possible that this uh, update on the 27th had something to do with links. Point is, I do think that there's place for disavowing, but I think that most sites really don't need to be getting into disavowing. Um, we're actually about to launch a service just because we get a lot of people that are asking us to look at their link profiles and tell them whether they should file a disavow. Um, and so that's going to be a service that we're going to offer as a paid service. Uh, so if you're not sure whether you need to disavow, then that's something that um, um, keep an eye out for that. And we hopefully will have uh, that service up and running soon. Somebody asked John Mueller whether it's okay to have auto-translated content in the index so you know how you can put, uh, you know, if I had wanted to have my post in German, I could Google Translate it and then make a page on my website. We've talked about this before, but you do not want to have that in the index. Google considers that auto-generated. It considers it spam um, in terms of uh, whether it's high quality. So if you have 
it's it's fine to have pages that are auto translated, uh, but you don't want to have them indexed. So you want to put either a no index tag on it, or better yet, make use of hreflang, which gets a little bit confusing. But hreflang will say, look, here's the um, you know the English version, and here's the German version, uh, and it's saying that our English version is the one that we want to have indexed uh, in Google. Another super interesting thing, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Wikipedia has done a thing where if they have a broken link on a page, and let's say the website doesn't exist anymore, they're pointing that link now at the archive.org version of that page. So archive.org is this amazing website where you can look and you can see past versions of almost every website. And so what Wikipedia is saying is like, hey, rather than just taking away this link, let's link to the um, the page on archive.org uh, because the information is still there. So how can we use that information? You know, I think there's lots of ways we could do it. I played around with this for a while, but ran out of time. And I think um, when I was looking in hrefs for some of these links, I think they hadn't had a chance to fully crawl uh, Wikipedia yet. So I, I may try this again in a week or two. Um, but what I think you could do is like, let's say you have a medical site. You could look at um, the Mayo Clinic on archive.org and find the URL. So it'll be like, oh, I can't remember if it's HTTPS, you know, waybackmachine.whatever, or maybe it's archive.org, whatever, but get the URL that's for the Mayo Clinic and then pop that into a link tool. So I put it into hrefs, that URL. And so basically what you're saying is, I want to see all of the sites that link to the archive.org version of the Mayo Clinic. And then what you can do is search through hrefs uh, for just the links that come from Wikipedia. And so now what we've done is we've said, ah, here's the Wikipedia pages that link to a page that no longer exists on Mayo Clinic, but links to their archived version. And then what you could do is see, like, is that content that I could actually reproduce? Um, now, you don't want to copy their content. You really need to be careful about that. But could you make a better guide? I mean, there's a reason why Mayo Clinic took that page down. Uh, maybe it was outdated or who knows what. Um, but you could make a better guide. And then you can go into Wikipedia and actually edit that link to point to your site. Now, depending on the niche, some Wikipedia communities will just go in and say, oh, no, you don't have authority to do this, and they'll remove your link. Um, but in some cases, that link can stay. And then what else you can do is find that, you know, put that particular page into hrefs or another, you know, I think Moz and, and uh, Majestic will do the same as well, and see, you know, who else is linking to this resource that no longer exists, and then you can reach out to them to say, hey, we've produced an even better resource. And then those people will hopefully link to you. So hopefully that uh, helps you get some. I mean, when you're getting links, I do still think there's room for link building. Um, but if you have to do tricky things, you know, to convince people to link to your content, then it may not be the best. Uh, but if you have such good content where people are like, oh, yeah, I want to recommend this to my readers. I do think that those links will count for something. Um, I saw an interesting tweet from Glenn Gabe where he was talking about Google is building a search engine for fact checking. Uh, it's currently in beta. It's only available to um, journalists, I think, who have uh, been accepted for the beta. Uh, but I think that this will be interesting. So as you're writing an article, if you're like, I don't know if this is really true, you don't want to have stuff in your articles that are... Um, 
going against scientific consensus or, you know, if you're writing about stuff that is potentially deceiving users or fake news, that can hurt your rankings. So um, I think this will be interesting for us once it becomes available to the public. Uh, Somebody asked John Mueller whether bad code um, could hurt your rankings. And really what John said was the only times I've seen invalid code break indexing is when it's so broken that browsers get messed up too. Uh, really rare nowadays, or when you break tags in the head by prematurely closing it. The general thing is, I mean, a lot of people in their audits, they'll look at, uh, there's um, a tool at W3C, uh, which is talking about, um, it, it basically looks at your code and tells you like whether you have errors. And we don't pay a lot of attention to that. Um, I think personally, if your page, if your pages can render properly with Google Fetch and Render, then uh, you really don't need to worry about whether code is breaking it. Um, I mean, I should step back a bit. I mean, in some cases, bad code can make a page super slow. So the thing is, though, that the bad code, there are other symbols uh, to look for, so uh, symptoms. So if you look at, uh, you know, whether the page speed is down or um, whether Google can't render this page, those are the things you want to look for. But if you uh, run a page through a tool and it says, oh, you know, you have 57 HTML errors, that's probably not going to affect your rankings for the most part. Um, let's see. I think we're almost finished uh, through the list. There's been so much stuff uh, in this episode. Let's talk about this statement from John Mueller. It was in a Google Help Hangout. Uh, no, sorry. It was um, a Google Help Forum post. And uh, somebody was asking about building high quality links. And John said, if you're making quality links to your site, then that would be considered against our webmaster guidelines. And by that, those links would definitely be con- not be considered quality. So what John's saying here is just what I said earlier. I mean, if you find ways to make your own links, probably Google doesn't want to count those links. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of SEO agencies that are really thriving on content marketing. And I, I know some of you are listening to this now, and, and I'm probably making some enemies for myself because... I'm not a fan of most content marketing. Um, So content marketing in its purest sense really should be spreading the word about a business, about a brand. And that's awesome. I mean, if you can do stuff to say like, hey, everybody start talking about this brand. You know, this brand is really, really cool. And this is why you need to learn about it. And people are willing to um, publish posts about what your brand did. That's pretty cool. But I would say that most people who are doing content marketing what they're doing is basically article posting to get links. And so if this is what's happening, this is the type of link that Google no longer considers high quality. Um, I'm going to be talking about this at PubCon Vegas. I actually have, I'm pretty excited about this talk. Uh, I'm looking at um, which types of links Google wants to count. And hopefully, I think I'll try to put a webinar together at some point after PubCon so uh, I can bring my theory here, but I'll I'll give you a a spoiler here. My theory is that when Google switched the Penguin algorithm back in September of 2016, and I've been saying for two years now uh, that Google is um, figuring out which links to ignore, and I think it's the opposite. I think now, I think Google is figuring out which links to count. And I actually think that Google only wants to count links from sites that have decent EAT. 
expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. So I'm going to be presenting a few things that perhaps um, support that point. It's still very much a theory, but uh, I, I do think that this is going to radically change how we do link building in SEO because so many of the links that we're building, uh, in my opinion, are probably not helping. Um, there was a cool tool that uh, AJ Gergich uh, tweeted about where you can scrape the people also ask results from Google. Uh, if you're doing content creation, this is something that can really help. But be careful because it's against Google's terms of service to scrape them. Uh, if you're just doing it for a single piece of content and you're only doing it once or twice, Google's not going to get upset at that as far as I know. But uh, if you're trying to do that on a massive scale, it could potentially cause some problems. Um, there's also another tool uh, at ZEO, I'm Canadian now, right? ZEO.org uh, for um, a mobile first index checker. So I haven't played around with it a whole lot, but it's something that we're looking at adding to our reports is uh, they look at whether your content is the same on mobile and desktop, whether your links are the same. Uh, and so thank you to Cyrus Shepard for pointing this out. Uh, he tweeted about it. Um, and I think that's a, a really, really interesting thing. Um, so hopefully that um, y you'll enjoy using that. And one more tool, um, Rand Fishkin with his new company, SparkToro, has a neat little tool to see how many fake followers you have on Twitter. It's interesting to put in some of the big name SEOs that have hundreds of thousands of followers and you can see that according to SparkToro, they're 80% uh, fake, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, I'm not sure what we'll do with this information other than like it's kind of cool to see. Maybe it speaks somewhat to my authenticity that uh, I have um, a smaller number than normal of fake followers, but uh, uh, still, most of you would probably enjoy putting your own uh, Twitter handle in there and seeing what, uh, what, what comes out. Let's go on to local SEO, and my apologies for this being such a long episode. There's just so much to talk about uh, this week. Um, Google My Business now has something where you can edit a listing to say that a, a business is inside another location. And before, you could only do that if you contacted customer support. Um, so this is kind of cool. I think what they're saying is like, if your business is inside a mall, a shopping center or something like that, uh, that that can be added to Google Maps pretty easily. There's a lot of discussion about Google Posts and how they're no longer in the top spot on the knowledge panel. I really felt like they were always on the bottom of the knowledge panel. So I don't know if I'm seeing something different uh, or, or what, but that's something to know. So if you're wondering where your Google posts went uh, when people search for your business, then they probably are at the bottom of your knowledge panel. Um, so it takes away a little bit of real estate that we, ha we have um, uh, control over. But um, still, I highly recommend using Google posts for any sort of local business. Um, and one, I think this is our last thing here, is uh, Google's now showing search boxes for reviews. So I saw this when I was in England. I thought maybe it was just a, a feature for the English SERPs, uh, but it turns out that they're rolling it out now where um, people can search for... So I was looking for a really good hotel near Heathrow, and my top priority was that there was a comfortable bed. So I searched for bed, and I read all the reviews that, uh, that um, talked about the bed and whether it was comfortable or not. And I ended up in a very nice hotel with a very comfortable bed. So um, as a marketer, there's, I would say the way to take advantage of this is just to keep encouraging people to leave reviews. Um, I've seen some people that do a thing where they sort of like prompt you with things, with questions to answer that help 
ensure that there's going to be keywords in the reviews. So for example, if you knew as a hotel that people are searching for a comfortable bed, then when you're asking people to leave a review, you could say, can you leave us a review on Google? Tell us about how comfortable your bed was or, you know, how great the restaurant was. Um, you have to be careful. I mean, obviously you can't tell people what to put in their reviews, uh, but you can sort of guide people in what type of information you'd like to see. And I do believe that keywords in reviews uh, speak somehow to uh, rankings as well. I think it's a ranking factor. Um, so that's something to think about. So that's probably our longest podcast yet. I want to thank all of you who are listening. Uh, when I was in Brighton, I met person after person who said they were a listener of the podcast or a reader of the newsletter. And so it really does blow my mind that uh, so many of you are interested in what we have to say here. Um, we're hard at work on site reviews. We're working through a significant waiting list right now. I think we're extended into the end of December for site quality reviews. But if you are interested in having a review done and you're okay with waiting for a little bit, uh, you can reach my team and I at help, H-E-L-P, at mariehaines.com. And uh, we'll see what we can do for you. And hopefully we can help you to, to get ranking again. So I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week. Uh, those of you who will be at PubCon in a week and a half, um, please do find me and come say hi. And uh, otherwise, we um, will talk soon.